Texas Tech got a win in Morgantown for just the second time in program history. It wasn't easy, but Mark Adams finds himself in the win column once again. We'll discuss how the Red Raiders won that game and what it means going forward coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available. On all platforms, I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News, and I'm joined by Emery Elida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst, writer, podcaster, and my good friend. We apologize for no Monday episode. That was on me. Had some scheduling conflicts, and then this morning was going to do a solo episode by myself. Had some technical difficulties, and it was just a frustrating situation. But I am glad to be back with my boy Emery, talking a little bit of Texas Tech West Virginia because it was quite the game. We're going to get into all the meat of that contest on today's episode, which is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Before this game, we had our preview episode. I predicted a big Texas Tech victory, um, a more offensive minded game. Emory once again hit the nail right on the head and predicted a little bit of a rock fight in a close game in Morgantown. Emery, how, how do you keep doing this, man? I don't know, man. I mean, I can predict rock fights. That's the one thing that I've been good at this year. But I mean, for this one, it was just seeing that Taz Sherman was likely going to be out. And the fact that Texas Tech, West Virginia games tend to go one of two ways. You either have 60 foul calls in a game and 45 free throws apiece, or you have just basically blood on the court, which is basically what ended up happening. I mean, it was a slugfest. And, I mean, you look at these two teams, certainly a lot prettier games of basketball were played on Saturday, but I'm thankful that Tech was able to come out ahead. And certainly, I mean, a win in Morgantown is difficult. We mentioned that in the preview. Tech had only done it one time in program history coming into that game. And even though West Virginia was down to Sherman, they've still been competitive in recent games. And, to be able to come back in the second half and make a statement by winning and really do it without playing your best offensively, I think it says a lot about the team. And considering the environment, considering everything that seemingly went against you, it was really nice to be able to pull, pull that one out. And I'm telling you, my prediction, my exact score prediction was intact all the way until one minute left. It was 57-50 with 59 seconds left in the game. So I was pretty proud of that. Yeah, man. Give yourself a pat on the back. It's pretty impressive. I definitely expected a lot more offense in this game than we were expecting. I mean, you mentioned it's either a free throw contest or just an absolute bloodbath. And there literally was a point in this game where there was blood on the court and they had to stop play to get Paul Polycap some some bandages up his nose. I mean, this was this was a wrestling match. I have never seen a game with this much contact. Guys just absolutely bruising each other on the court and really for the majority of it I felt like it was just a little bit of a conservative whistle the refs were letting these guys play they were letting you know hand fighting going on pushing going on shoving going on I mean Clarence and Dolny 
literally just hip checked a guy in the half court at one point because he was pissed off because he had just gotten that same thing done to him. And for all of that, like I'm I'm okay. I can stomach that. Like that kind of officiating, it's honestly kind of fun. It it showed us a lot about the grit of this Texas Tech team. But there were points in this game where it was just a little bit hard to watch because it felt like there could have been better protection of the players. And obviously we saw, you know, the push to the back of Marcus Santos Silva. Um, TJ, you know, got hit hard on the way to the rim. I don't think that was necessarily anything dirty, but um, it was really hard to see him land on that leg. And then the the hard, hard contact to Adonis Arms where he landed directly on his his hip. It was a little bit ugly, man. But Texas Tech, they, they've made this reputation and this character of winning these kinds of games, and they find themselves in the win column once again after just an absolute bloodbath. Yeah, for sure. At times it felt like things were maybe getting out of hand a little bit from an officiating standpoint. I mean, the shove in the back on Marcus Santos Silva really bothered me because that's something where like in a normal game under normal circumstances, that almost certainly would have been looked at for a flagrant. And I think especially considering what had just happened to TJ a few minutes earlier, it was really kind of a bad look. And I want to dispel the notion that West Virginia was playing dirty or something like that. I don't think that that's the case. I think that you have a lot of um, you have a lot of in the moment type of plays, and I don't think that there was anything wrong. Now, should they have been punished for like the push in the back or certainly the Adonis Arms dunk, which was not a flagrant per se, but certainly a foul by Osaboyan that they missed? Sure, and I think that that's on the officiating to make sure that the game's more intact. But I think. At the end of the day, this was just a really hard-fought battle, and certainly you got away with some fouls that you probably wouldn't be able to get away with in a more tightly officiated game. And then certainly, offensively, you had to go through a lot more contact than I think you were maybe expecting. And this just shows the grit of the team. When you have a first half that was as rough as what Tech had offensively, where you're shooting under 35% for most of it, and you didn't really have much of many perimeter shots going in, to be able to weather the storm and come back and really doing so with the status of two of your best scorers in up in the air, that speaks a lot to just how resilient this team is. And I think that TJ Shannon coming back after what looked to be a really bad knee injury just sort of showed, like, for me, that was a synopsis of this entire game because, A, it was great to see him back healthy. Even if he hadn't come back in, it still would have been a win just to see him back walking and comfortable. But for him to come in and have... 9.7 of which came in the second half was really impressive and I think we'll get more into the player details later but just in general the ability to go through so much adversity and win a tough game on the road that speaks a lot to how tough this tech team is and certainly can show that they can win in a variety of different environments because just looking back against Texas and earlier in the week you won a game in which you had a really good offensive first half kind of more of a lenient whistle and sort of more calls were being made and now you turn around and win on the road against West Virginia with the whole crowd against you and with a whistle that was non-existent for a good portion of the game. So when you're looking back on this game, obviously you mentioned the the adversity and the strength from TJ. I thought that was just really incredible to see him even walking whenever that injury initially happened. I just immediately assumed the worst. It looked really, really ugly, but was glad to see him come back. In terms of a team standpoint, Whenever you're looking at this box score, what is the one number to you that really stands out as kind of the pivotal piece for a Texas Tech victory? I'll go ahead and give mine, and mine is without a doubt 
West Virginia shooting 24.2% from the field. Um, and, and it's remarkable that they shot that low considering how insane their offensive variance was in the first half. But for Texas Tech to just really tighten up on, on the defensive end in that second half and really limit guys like Jalen Bridges from getting open again, they really tuned, tuned out Sean McNeil. Um, Malik Curry, who was a huge factor in that first game, w- was really a pure negative for them. So West Virginia field goal percentage is is far and away the, the stat that I point to when I say Texas Tech won this game because of this. I'd go a step further, and I would say the percentage at the rim. West Virginia shot 5 of 15 on shots there, and that is ridiculous, especially considering that this was a West Virginia team missing its best score. They really tried to get the ball inside quite a bit and had a lot of second-chance opportunities. So to be able to hold them to just 10 points at the rim, and again, another game where you were able to outscore your opponent in the paint substantially, like that's super impressive. And to do it and on the road in a tough environment, like this, that's one of the things where in the past you've seen Tech has been able to score in the paint effectively. But on the road in West Virginia, the last – couple times that tech has been there they've either fouled a lot and given up a lot of inside opportunities or against west virginia last year is just a total defensive breakdown so to kind of write the script on that one and flip it and i mean for they were 432 in the second half west virginia was to be able to have that kind of defensive performance especially on the inside pretty incredible and i think it just continues to show just how good this defense can be yeah i mean they they just really dig deep into their into the well of just who they are as a team and and what has made them so good all season and for Texas Tech to be leaving with a victory after we all we saw I mean all the injuries the offensive struggles in the first half West Virginia getting open looks in the first half I mean it's just really impressive for Texas Tech to get this victory no need to overlook this one just because it wasn't against a ranked opponent or a top 10 opponent this is a very quality win for Texas Tech you mentioned the shots at the rim. I think that has a lot to do with an individual player, but we're going to get into our individual players of the game coming up in our next segment. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. It's Super Week brought to you by GetUpside, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in LA all week covering the big game. Be sure that you don't miss that out and go check out all of their live coverage. It's going to be great. All right, individual players. I I gave you a little bit of a teaser, and so I feel like this trivia time might not hit you as hard as I want it to, but trivia time. There are two players in the country right now, 6'11 or taller, that have played more than a quarter of their team's minutes and have a true shooting percentage over 70. Who are they? Well, I'm going to go with Daniel Vaccio for one of them and Mark Williams for the second. It is not Mark Williams. I'll give you another shot, though. Hmm. You're overthinking this. Am I? Shet Holgram? 
It's Chet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there the we two, go. The two unicorns of college basketball, man. Bacho and Chet. Dude, what a what a performance by Daniel Bacho, especially in the late closing minutes of this second half against West Virginia. He had four blocks, three boards, and six points. The four blocks don't even convey what an absolute asset he was on the defensive end. He affected every single shot that West Virginia took when he was in the game. Ended up having a BPM of 24.3 when he was on the court. Daniel Bacho, man, player of the game for me, hands down. I mean, you look at the box score for him, and it's ridiculous. He ended up having a DBPM that I haven't seen one that high. Like, you're talking about games games where guys had four or more stocks in less than 15 minutes. It's a very, very small list. And so... Bacho, for me, I mean, he's the player of the game as well. I can't disagree just because of the impact he had defensively. And it was so kind of sudden as well, because in the first half, he didn't really get a lot of run. But in the second half, he just had such a really good presence. And down the stretch, I mean, the ability to lock up McNeil on the perimeter on a switch was absolutely ridiculous. And I mean... We have, I have to say, Daniel Bacho's versatility and ability to guard the perimeter is really insane. Like, I don't think enough has been made of just how ridiculous it is that a guy that's nearly seven feet tall and has had multiple knee surgeries, has prior to this year had not played basketball in almost two years, is coming out here and guarding big 12-level guards on the perimeter and offensively is able to run in the open court and finish off a finish off the dunk and do it efficiently without getting a charge call like that play sequence is absolutely ridiculous and i mean daniel bacho has already been loved by red raider nation but i think people just don't realize just how valuable of an asset he is i mean you mentioned like looking over that aspect of his game whenever i saw him check into games early in the season i was thinking all right you know this is the regular old texas tech gives the big on con burn and we're never going to see them again for the rest of the season. But as soon as Daniel Bacho got put into pick and rolls on defense and he was moving with opposing guards, I mean, you just knew that Texas Tech had something special on their hands. His lateral speed for being 6'11", and like you mentioned, having two really gruesome knee injuries, hadn't played competitive basketball in like two years. It's just remarkable. And, and it feels like the ceiling is still so high. And for Mark Adams to put this guy in the closing lineup. I mean, I know Bryson Williams was in foul trouble and that was kind of what forced Daniel Bacho into these minutes. Man, it it just says a lot about what this what this guy already is as a redshirt freshman. I mean, Bryson Williams was a close 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 second player of the game for me. I don't think that Texas Tech would have won the game without him, but I don't think Texas Tech would have won this game without Daniel Bacho either. I mean, just what what he was able to do in completely taking away the inside from West Virginia in that second half. I mean, just just remarkable stuff, man. And and what we're seeing from Bryson Williams is continuing to be just a very reliable source of offense. West Virginia did as good of a job as you could have scripted in that first half of taking away looks from Bryson Williams. And in the second half, he just he got his own. That that steal at the top of the key after he got blocked was just it was angry. I liked it. You could tell he was like feeling redemption and I mean, you mentioned five stock games. You're, you're looking at one right here. Three steals, two blocks from Bryson Williams to go with 15 points. Just a really, really good night from him. Yeah, I mean, Bryson Williams, another really consistent effort. I thought the 
steal half court and transition finish was really impressive on that one. But I mean, I'm going to point out Malik Wilson here, and it seems kind of bizarre to do in a game that really didn't stick out from a box score standpoint. I mean, he had three assists, three turnovers. Obviously, he ended up having a little bit of a defensive effort with a steal and a block. But I think one of the things that really sort of flipped the tide for Tech is just what Malik was able to do as a point of attack defender and really just keeping them, keeping the guards that were going at him from being able to get into the lane. And for me, that was something that was really impressive. And then offensively as well, like he made some bad decisions in this one, but I think that his ability to kind of control the tempo and had some really high level passes, especially in the first half when things just weren't going well for Tech. So for me, Malik Wilson was actually one of my top three players of the game, as crazy as that sounds, just because defensively I think he was pivotal and really kind of keeping Malik Curry from having a nice game and then offensively I mean we see the playmaking development even if the numbers don't really bear it out as much I feel like I'm more comfortable with him being a primary ball handler than anyone outside of maybe Kevin McCuller on this roster at this point I think maybe TJ eventually can get back to that point but we're not quite there yet just with him not being in the flow and whatnot and I have another trivia for you on Bacho. Because I think it's Let's really, it's a really interesting stat. So, you're looking at Texas Tech players in the last decade to have four blocks in less than 15 minutes of play. Three guys. Bacho is obviously one. Who are the other two? Oh man, I'll go Tariq Owens for one, and. I feel like it's gonna be like a, a weird one. I'll go Zach Smith for the other one. No, this is I'll give you another shot. I'll give you a hint on this one. This is someone that I got blocked or somebody blocked me on Twitter because I retorted it back at them for not knowing who he was. Oh gosh. Oh man, the name is completely slipping. I like know the the general Twitter situation that you're mentioning right me, but it's just flying over my head. You're gonna have to you're gonna it's have to look silly. Sorry, Anthony good Silva? No, Kader. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, he did it against Texas Southern in 2013, and Tariq Owens did it in 2018 against Incarnate Word, which really just speaks to how well Bacho did that. He did it against a Big 12-level team, against teams that against a team that had multiple functioning bigs and made an emphasis to work it inside to them. Like, it's, it's incredible what Bacho was able to do in that game. Nuts. Just a absolute masterpiece by Texas Tech's front court. I mean, for, for Daniel Bacho to do what he did on on the defensive end and then even Bryson Williams to have a five stock game and be the most reliable scorer for Texas Tech throughout that contest. This team, man, the front court is really coming together and I wanna talk about what that's gonna look like a little bit as this team just continues to go forward. Um but first a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter just orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and even in your pocket. You save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourself customers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, 
to go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Texas Tech just got a gritty win against West Virginia. Um, just the game started, looked ugly. Um, Bryson Williams was just shut down. Texas Tech couldn't find their offense. Terrence Shannon Jr. got hurt. It was brutal, but they pulled it out. They managed to get the victory. They they went plus 13 in the second half, showed a lot of their grit and a lot of their character. And I feel like this is a win that's, really exciting people about this team. And I I think that's really good because I think with a team like this, it can be really easy to look at games like Texas, Baylor, Kansas, Tennessee, and make those kind of your, you know, put them on the mantle wins. And those are huge wins. Those are wins that are boding really well for your tournament. Of course, those wins should be celebrated. Of course that um, Texas Tech should just rely on those and boast in those. But for you to win games like this in Morgantown, I feel like it says maybe not a ton about your talent necessarily or in a vacuum, but I do think that it says a lot about your identity and your depth and your grit, and those are things that will win you games in March. It's not just coach speak. I, I think that that's fair analysis, and I think that w- that's what we've seen from um, teams in the past and even past Texas Tech teams, and I know that that kind of similar style of Digging into a well of identity has had some fans uh, reflecting on the past glory years and thinking about all the Texas Tech teams that have made deep March runs. And, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves and looking into March. It's just right around the corner. And fans are excited, man. They they feel like there's another deep March run on the horizon. And it's very, very possible. But uh, we've got to add to the discourse that uh, a good friend of mine, good buddy, good buddy, Tyler Thurmond, um, started the discussion on Twitter today, just just asking the people, you know, who would win in an 1819 um, 5v5 game? Would it be the 2018-19 Texas Tech team or this season's Texas Tech team? Emory and I have firmly planted our flags on just all the stock available for the 2018-19 team. I feel like we just, we love that team, man. They were so, so good. And it's it's just a little hard to watch people um, get a little excited and forget about uh, the greatness of that team. And obviously, we're not here to just rag on this season's team. This season's team has a lot of promise. There is a lot of potential for a deep March run. Um, I think that this might be the best chance that Texas Tech has for a deep run than they've had since that 18-19 team. But we can't lose sight of the greatness of the 2018-19 team. So, Emery, just give me a couple of reasons why that team was so special to you. Well, if you put, if you went into a lab and tried to create the ideal college basketball team, 2018-2019 Texas Tech will be damn near what you end up getting. I mean, you want to talk about every single attribute that seemingly is important to winning games. You want to have shot blocking. 
oh yeah, just bring in one of the best shot blockers in the country in Tariko Owens. You want to have good perimeter defenders? Yeah, you've got guys like Kyler Edwards, Jarrett Culver, Matt Mooney, Brandon Francis, Deshaun Corpru. All of those guys were significant positives in that sense. You want to talk about grit and determination, like intangible stuff. You have Norrin Sodiase, one of the best leaders in the Big 12 over the last few years. You want to talk about an All-American type of talent. You have Jarrett Culver, who probably could have been player of the year if he didn't go through such an insane shooting slump in Big 12 play but still managed to win Big 12 Player of the Year. And then you want to talk about shooting. You've got possibly the big, best shooter in Big 12 history, one of the most underrated players in Big 12 history, in my opinion, Davide Moretti, who had a second half of the season that was as efficient as anyone not named Zion Williamson in college basketball. You put all of those things together. You add in a Mark Adams defense that – was ridiculously good and you want to look at the metrics from this year's defense and they're great don't get me wrong this is one of the three best defenses in the country and they do a lot of things well but that 2019 defense was top 15 in forcing turnovers and effective field goal percentage defense and three-point percentage defense and two-point percentage defensively and in block percentage literally the only thing they did not do at an elite level defensively was rebound and offensively, they had the spacing and the shooting to be elite in addition to one of the best individual players in the country. Like, I mean, what more do you need from a team? Uh, I literally think the answer is nothing. I mean, this is as close to a perfect basketball team that I think that I've seen in really quite a long time. I mean, as you mentioned, all the individual components were there. An elite scorer in Jarrett Culver a reliable off-ball shooter who was really one of the best free-throw shooters in the Big 12 in recent years in Davide Moretti, a true point with with good defensive instincts like Matt Mooney, one of the most elite and athletic shot blockers that I can really ever remember seeing in Tariq Owens, two really, really good spark plugs off the bench in Brandon Francis and Kyler Edwards, the leadership of Norris Odiase, the, the just pure raw gritty minutes from Deshaun Corpru. I mean this this team was just it was good man it was really really good and Tyler I love you buddy I promise I'm not trying to just harp on you and beat you up it's not a bad question you're starting the conversation I love that about Texas Tech fans that there's always discourse to be had but man that team was dang near perfect they were so so good um, just so much to like individually, and it all came together um, just just in a matter that was perfect. And so, um, man, I, I take the 18-19 team in a heartbeat, but that is no indication of me being low on this 2021-22 team. I feel like they're still really solid. And just to kind of continue the discourse that's been happening around Red Raider Nation, on Red Raider Sports the other day, there was a conversation about if you could take one player from that team and put them on this season's team, who would it be? Emery, let's hear it. I'm going to go with the most popular answer in that thread and say Keenan Evans, but I want to say that the fact that Jarrett Culver is not mentioned more in these types of answers is very interesting to me because natural, like when you look at it objectively, Culver was someone that was arguably a contender for National Player of the Year for a lot of the season. Big 12 player of the year. The resume speaks for itself. He's a really good individual defender, good playmaker. I think people kind of lose sight of that as just how efficient he was when he was asked to be a primary ball handler. But 
man, I mean, you give this team Keenan Evans' ability to finish inside and his ability to get to the rim effectively. I mean, if you're looking at things that this Texas Tech team lacks, it's probably getting guards being able to get to the rim and finish is probably one of the biggest things that they've struggled with outside of maybe three-point shooting. But you have Keenan Evans, who's a more than capable defender, can finish at the rim, can distribute. Like Adding on Keenan to this roster would make it the final four shoe-in, in my opinion. Like This would be probably one of the two or three best rosters in the country. And I think Culver, if you're looking at natural talent, might have the slight edge there. But, I mean, I got to go with Keenan because, A, Culver – you can say that you have a lot of wings on this roster that are really versatile. Um, and B, I mean, Keenan's leadership ability and his ability to finish in the clutch was always something that was incredible to see. Was the prompt on RRS any player in the past or just from 1819? I'm pretty sure it was from the last five years because they also had options like Zaire and um, Zach Smith, Justin Gray, if I remember correctly. All right, that threw me off. I must have misremembered that um, because... In, in that case, my answer is for sure Keenan Evans as well. I thought I asked you 1819, which would obviously lock in your answer as Jarrett Culver. That would be mine as well. But, man, putting a, a, a pure scorer like Keenan Evans on this team I think would be really interesting because this team hasn't really shown the ability to play really efficient offense in ISO situations and in like high-usage score-first guard players. Guys like TJ, like I don't think that's really adapted his game as as perfectly as it may have um, in, in years past. And I'd be really, really interested to see what it would look like with Keenan in the system. But I have I have no doubt that it would work. I mean, like there are points where I'm watching Texas Tech games and I'm watching Davion Warren just get to the bucket or layups very easily, get open shots, and I'm thinking, man, Texas Tech would would just be so good with a guy that did it like six times a game you know what'll be really fun is if you added zaire smith to this lineup if play you small ball the whole game or what <laughs> no i'm just saying imagine a lineup where you have zaire you have kevin mccullough you have tj shannon you have Mylik wilson all on the court at one time and then you'd have to play the bigs like 10 minutes a night each but come on like you would have a hard time scoring more than like 40 against that team. That would be, I, I can't even like conceive what that would look like in terms of switching. Like there would be no favorable matchups for the opponent ever. Like, like literally your four options are you have Kevin McCuller, who is in players eyes, one of the best defenders in the big 12, if not the nation, one of the most switchable players out there has played minutes at the four and at the one throughout his college career. You have TJ Shannon, who might be one of the best off-ball defenders in the country, and his instincts are up there with the best of them. And whenever he's healthy, he can pretty much take on the number one assignment at any night. You've got Mylik Wilson, who has one of the most versatile stat profiles of any defender you're going to find. I mean, talking about a guy with a block percentage greater than four, steal percentage greater than four, there's only like five players in the nation with that. And he's doing it on extended minutes as a six-foot-three guard. And then you have Zaire Smith, who has the versatility of a guy like Malik with the instincts of a guy like TJ. And you put all four of them on the court at one time, and then you just add in a center like a Bryson Williams, or even imagine Daniel Baccio in that lineup. Like, what do you even do offensively against that lineup? Just pray you can chuck up a three? 
Like, just give up. I, I don't even know, man. That that's a that's yeah. a nightmare matchup for any team in the country. And even this roster that Texas Tech has right now has the ability to create some really unfavorable matchups. We are pressing against the clock, but I got to talk to you about one more thing before we get out of here today. And man, that is the Malik Wilson, Clarence Nadolny lineup. We saw it some in that West Virginia game, and I, I feel like Mark Adams has found something. I have no idea offensively a nightmare for opponents. Yeah, I mean, my leak and Clarence, you're talking about two of the best defenders in the nation if you're if you're looking at DBPM, especially considering the minutes that they're playing. And just the two of them, both of them have such good instincts, and you add in like a TJ Shannon to that mix and like it's difficult to score against them. And more than that, like you just have the tenacity that those guys bring. It's ridiculous. And I think offensively, the spacing can get really ugly if you don't have the right guys around them. But I'm interested to see how it plays out because I certainly think there's going to be teams where you want to play that kind of lineup against, especially against some of the guards that you're going to be facing down the stretch in Big 12 play, certainly against a team like Baylor. Having both of them on the court and sort of going against Baylor's three-headed monster at guard is going to be really important to me. And I think that it's going to be something that Mark Adams looks at. I hopped over to Evan Maya while you were talking look at the numbers on this two man up and it's actually one of Texas Tech's best I, I think it's about top 10 I don't I don't have numbers in front of me but they've got an adjusted efficiency of 34.5 whenever the two of them are on the court together the the offensive efficiency is at about 113.1 while the defense is is at 88 so just a just a stout lineup man and for them to still be doing stuff offensively obviously it's it's very, very low in usage. It's a very small sample size. I think that last game was really the game where we got the best look at it, but I feel like it's something that we will continue to see. Um, maybe against Oklahoma is when we will be back to preview that game. Sooners are skidding real bad. They're going to need to win, and they're going to be hungry for one in Norman whenever Texas Tech plays their first back-to-back two-game road stint of the season. Be sure to follow us and subscribe to our feeds wherever you listen so that you don't miss the coverage that we will have on that game, including our preview, prediction, and scores to the game. You can follow us on Twitter to keep up with us. Until then, you can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emery at Eraser41. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube if you have not already. We reached 100 subscribers this week, which is just a huge, huge, huge um just just gratitude from me um it's a it's a big victory for us to just be launching our youtube two weeks ago and for 100 of you to already be subscribed um we we thank you deeply for listening and watching it means a lot if you could just continue to to encourage those around you to subscribe to subscribe if you have not already it would be a great help to us thank you again for making locked on texas tech your first listen every day and be sure to make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you listen. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.